listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You are listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. Here are your hosts, Daniel and Golnaz. Hello, welcome to another episode of ESL Talk. In today's episode, we are going to talk about why teaching is learning. This might seem quite obvious to most of us and maybe not so obvious to others, but the two topics are very much connected and understanding this relationship can be extremely beneficial for us as teachers. Yeah, it definitely can. And later in today's episode, we'll be speaking to our special guest, Homa, who will go into more detail on what implications these relationships can have in the classroom. So today we are going to start out the discussion with a quote. The quote goes, educational research supports this powerful concept, which is teaching is learning, showing that when teachers facilitate reciprocal teaching and learning roles within their classrooms, then student achievement improves also. This is told by Alton Lee, um, 2003. So what exactly do we mean when we say teaching is learning? Why is everybody talking about this so much? So more specifically, how will this help our learners in the ESL classroom? Yeah, this is a really huge topic and we're gonna to have to look at it from a lot of different angles, but I think there's a lot of you know really useful, valuable um, you know topics and themes that we can get out of this. So I think first of all, we should stress that the terms teaching and learning are essentially the same things. The definitions might be different, but the processes, the you know, mental um, you know, processes, the skills, the functions are essentially the same. Learning is teaching, teaching is learning, vice versa. They're kind of synonymous, they, they go together. Um, so I think it's really important that we understand that that connection is, is huge. And for our students, even though we're teaching them, they're learning. And as teachers, even though we're teaching, they're learning and learning is teaching. So it's just that back and forth that's really huge. So we need to understand that first of all. Why did we start out with a quote? Because I think it's crucial to know that when we fulfill these different roles in the classroom, when we act as a learner as well as a teacher, then students also improve. So 
it's not rocket science. It's a very important and valuable lesson that we should start out with today. So do students and teachers learn in the same way? Um, I would say yes and no, but Gomez, what would you say? Well, exactly. It's yes and no. I mean, it depends on um, the teachers and the learners as people, who they are and like what learning styles they each have. Um, we always have shared learning experiences and, um, you know, this leads to understanding and creates understanding for us um, in the whole um, classroom environment. But like there is also the thing that um, for us teachers and um, the, the, the learning role that we have uh, can also be a little bit different from the learning role and the purpose that our learners have in the classroom. So they are in the classroom to communicate in English, to learn um, and to improve uh, their communication skills and, uh, well, their, uh, let's say generally their language skills. We are not there to improve our language skills necessarily, but we are there to learn about um, you know, to learn about how we can facilitate this, how we can, um, you know, uh, make this process um, the best possible for our learners. So this is also learning at the same time for us. We are learning about uh, our role and about what we can do for our learners to learn the language skills that they need. Yes, exactly. I was just going to expand a little bit on that and I think that the key themes and the key words, especially for English teaching, are context and shared experiences. Those are two really valuable skills that we can use with our students to learn to teach. Um, sometimes students can't really understand certain phrases or words or you know lessons that you're teaching them because they don't have any context. So a really amazing, brilliant way to get your students engaged, motivated, switched on is to use contextual situations through role play, through videos, through Relia, whatever you want to use to build that connection and share that experience. If they can see the actions, the feelings, the thoughts, the emotions that you might go through as a teacher, then they can start to understand and build that picture in their mind. So I think that's a really huge way of learning that's going to help teach them as well. Um, and then again, shared learning experiences, those build understanding. And the more we can understand something, the better we can manipulate it and the more we can master that. So I think there is a couple of really important ideas um, to cover for this section. 100% true, exactly. And um, as you said, the input and the output must happen in the context, in the clear same context that we create for our learners. Exactly. I, I mean, I could not imagine um, you know, uh, going off context or teaching, you know, off context in the classroom. Although I used to do it, like when I started at first, Me because too. I was not, you know, you know I, I didn't know this idea. I was not aware of this. I would just <laughs> go into the classroom and, for example, start teaching first conditionals with no context. Now I know uh, that was not the best thing that I did. So you definitely should Daniel, set the scene for sure. <laughs> exactly. So, um, what are the connections you have experienced of learning when teaching, Daniel? Yeah, we just kind of touched upon early days and not setting the scene fully. So, I've learned so much from my students whilst teaching. Now, my intention is not to 
learn these things, but you just do that throughout the, the process of teaching. So early days, um, moving to South Korea, teaching English, I learned a lot about culture through my students. I was teaching them my culture. They were teaching me their culture. So it was a cultural exchange, which was amazing because, you know, they're open and receptive to learning about Western culture, European culture, North American culture, whilst I'm learning about Korean culture. So again, there's those shared experiences and there's that context. So it's a great foundation, a great building block for developing understanding and learning. Um, language expressions. I found out what my students are interested in. So building rapport and building a little bit of interest in students, you know, um, hobbies and what they like is another great way to learn and to teach more effectively. If I know what music my students like, if I know what sports my students like, if I know what foods my students like, I can relate lessons. I can build lessons around them. I'm going to get them engaged, going to get them switched on. Hopefully they'll be able to get more out of the lessons. Um, and then I learned what works well and what doesn't. We've talked so many times in, in a lot of the episodes about feedback. When I'm getting feedback from students who tell me, I really enjoyed that, that worked well for me, or this was really fun, or this was boring, then at least I can check the process. What can I modify? What can I make more interactive? What can I improve? What can I take out next time? So I think those experiences were really vital. And again, sharing those things and having the context, the culture, um, the language, learning all those things and being receptive and being open-minded to that can make a huge difference and really helps with your learning while teaching. Um, how about for you, Golnes? What were your experiences with this? Well, as you said, I have also, I mean, uh, I have also learned a lot from my uh, students, especially, um, you know, uh, while working with different students. Um, it has always helped me to um, reflect on myself and learn a lot of things about myself, about my potential and about my uh, weaknesses, my strengths, um, uh, about how far I can go, um, you know, um, like the more enthusiastic and the more active my students were all the time and the more engaged and the more enthusiastic I could make them, uh, the more I was challenged to, um, you know, um, expand my boundaries and like push forward. And uh, the more I was challenged to um, level up uh, because, you know, th th there was a um, bigger demand. My students like were eager to learn. They were eager to follow. So I had to do more. I had to um, create more. I had to plan better. And um I have learned a lot through this whole process uh, when I had to reflect on what worked, what did not work in, in my classroom, when I had to, you know, I, I learned a lot about my um, own learning style as well, because like sometimes uh, when you are designing the lessons, when you are creating your lessons or designing materials, like for a specific group of learners, um, you... I myself, I put myself in the learner's shoes. I put myself in their, in their shoes and I'm like, okay, if I were the student, how would I feel? What would I do? What would I say? But like all of those things that I imagined uh, as myself in their shoes sometimes would never happen. And sometimes I was totally surprised by the things that um, were happening actually um, on their side. So that's the uh, beauty of it. Like, mm, 
you can have lots of plans you can like do a lot of different research and you ha you can just give a whole structure to your lesson but because your learners are unique and because they have their own unique styles you will see and you you will be exposed to a lot of different new things this was also a a, a very important thing that i learned that um you can never you know 100% guarantee everything mm -hmm. so yeah uh, especially um I can say, like to sum it up, I can say I have learned a lot about life, about my personality, about how I can become a better person and about how I can become a better teacher um, professionally. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I think even as a student, I know when I was a student, I learned a lot from my teachers, not just the lesson, not just the subject, but a lot more as well. And I think a good teacher imparts that knowledge on their students as well. So if we go to looking at teaching specifically and this, this concept of teaching is learning, how do we relate this this concept and these skills in the classroom as English teachers? Well, as teachers, um, when we are explaining something to the class, when we are asking um, our students to explain something, when we are asking them to present something or just to answer a question, uh, or when we are eliciting something from them, these are all uh, getting our students to teach. We are asking them to teach. We are sharing this with them 100%. Yeah, and I think, you know, you're putting students in pairs, they're working in groups, they're writing an essay or something like that together. When you're doing that, you might not realize, but you're actually asking them to teach you something as a teacher or teach other students something from another perspective and getting those different perspectives and different experiences. That is essentially flipping it and, you know, learning is teaching, teaching is learning. And even looking at it, you know, from a simplistic way, if a student asks you a question, as a teacher, you think, okay, how do I answer this clearly, succinctly? How do I, you know, put it in a way the student's going to understand? Then as a teacher, you're learning as well at the same time. So I think those are some really valuable contexts that we should be aware of. Exactly. And um, so how do you think this connects to the ideas of flipped learning, as you mentioned it, and, you know, cooperative learning? How, does, how do they connect? Yeah, these are huge. And, you know, obviously we talked about this in episode two about flipped learning um it's really really important that students become autonomous they start to take responsibility and accountability for their own learning because if they don't do that then they're kind of not fully engaged and not fully switched on so of course sometimes you might need to spend an hour or two hours on a topic with a student but if you're taking regular stops checks every 10 minutes every 15 minutes that way you're getting them to engage engagement is learning and that's the best way to check a have i done enough have i covered the right things do i need to explain something again do i need to go into more detail so by flipping the learning and by giving small tasks in groups and you know pairs this is a really good way to get students not just to learn but also to teach and as us as teachers we change that role we become facilitators managers um, as opposed to just teachers so i think that's a really good way we can apply this concept to flip learning and cooperative learning um, so looking specifically at the esl classroom goalness how can we apply this mindset this learning this teaching approach into the esl classroom can you give us some practical examples of course sure um first of all um the foundation of um, success, I think, to be able to apply this uh, mindset, uh, I think is being open and having a growth mindset and, mindset and um, you know, uh, be welcoming. 
be open and be flexible. Uh, the moment you get tradition, you you know you get you get rigid and traditional, and the moment you kind of get stuck where you are and kind of um, you know um, lose your um, wide perspective of what you should do, what you are doing, and what can be done, then um, the balance will be lost. Also. Um, with this mindset, uh, you can just, you know, take notes as a teacher of what is happening. Take take mental notes. I always take mental notes myself. And when you have the time, take notes and write and um, explain to yourself what happened. What, uh, for example, if, um, you know, if something doesn't go the way you want it, uh, just list the things that went wrong and list the things that can happen in order to, for example, fix the situation. And um, ask questions, do research. If you need to, um, you know, get connected with other teachers, with your peers, um, if you need to do some research, go through some websites, um, some books, learn, study, do it. Because, um, you know, again, this role uh, of a teacher itself puts a huge responsibility on our shoulders because we think that, okay, I am in charge of knowing everything and I am in charge of, um, you know, being a perfect, um, for example, professor, but that's not what an ESL teacher is. As ESL teachers, of course, we have our responsibilities, but we always have that um, um, space that needs to be filled by learning. And if you don't know something, find the answers. Just, you know, go for it and try to um, um, fill in the blanks. You know, take this as your responsibility. So uh, I want to ask you, Daniel, about uh, technology, as today everything is just, you know, online and digital. Uh, is it changing English education and is it changing this learning and teaching dynamic? Yeah, I would I would say that to some extent it definitely is because as I've kind of elicited and, and touched upon earlier, we have all of these roles as teachers in the classroom and technology is definitely replacing some of those roles. Um, you know, as a teacher, we might be a facilitator, a motivator, a coach, a guide, a prompter, a resource, um, a participant, an organizer, sometimes a leader, and sometimes we're expected to be experts on our subject. Now, Technology is replacing a lot of that because students can just research and find the answer for themselves or we can use, you know, technology like Zoom, like Teams, like, you know, online platforms to do the sharing of information or filling in the blanks or those kinds of activities. So definitely some of the um, roles have been taken away, which in some ways is great for teachers because it makes things easier. Uh, but also we might not get that true level of response, that true level of feedback. It might not always be a good indicator than being in the classroom. So we definitely need to assess and analyze what's going to work for our learners and what's not going to work for our learners um, and try to make sure that we can still get lots of good feedback, uh, that we can still learn and we can still offer students the chance to ask questions, to give feedback and also to give them feedback as well. So there's a lot of things to think about here. Exactly. And um, I think that we should not really, you know, <clears throat> you know, stick to 
what we used to do and like try to do all of it uh, or, or put all of it into the like online uh, classrooms because like I think sometimes we need to develop new ways, new styles, new techniques, even new methods, you know, as the whole world is changing, we also need to change our ways. So I think there is a possibility. And um, I want to ask you about um, higher order learning. Can you share any insights into it? Absolutely, yeah. Higher order learning is just kind of getting a lesson or getting uh, the, the aims of the class, the goals of the class, and breaking them down into steps for students. So one really important tool that I referred to during my teacher training and still refer to today subconsciously is called Bloom's Taxonomy. Um, essentially, what we're doing is we're taking the skill or the outcome or the, the learning objective and we're breaking it down into steps. So those steps are things like remember, understand, apply, analyze, evaluate, and create. As ESL teachers, this is a wonderful resource and a wonderful guide to help our learners teach and also to help us teachers to learn. So I would suggest for any potential or existing ESL teacher who doesn't have this um, this model, Bloom's Taxonomy, print it out, cut it up, stick it somewhere on your wall, your notepad, and use this to plan your lessons because that way you're not just covering something at one aspect or two aspects, you're going through all of it. And students are going through all those steps with you, they're going on that journey with you so they can really develop, build, apply, and start to work with those skills or those topics whilst they are um, learning. So it's really important that we do that. And again, with Bloom's taxonomy, it's really important as well that students also get to see this because then if they can identify what you're doing and they can see your journey, your path, they can also follow along as well. So that's one really important um, skill or resource that we should use. One other thing as well is linked to critical thinking. So your most valuable tool in the English classroom should be the word why. So don't ever accept the answer, yes, no, I agree, I disagree. Why? Why do you say that? What makes you say that? What are the reasons why you've come to this outcome? Um, again, with younger learners, it might not be um, as, you know, as deep, as detailed, but you can still ask why. Why did you say that? Why did you say this word? What makes you think this? So by asking good questions and by you know, using the word why, that's another really powerful tool. And then hopefully you'll build that routine of students asking you why, and that'll enable you to think a little bit more deeply and enable you to think a little bit more and learn a little bit more as well. Thank you so much, Daniel, for sharing um, this great insights. I learned myself a lot. Now we are going to get ready to speak with Homa, our special guest today. And she's going to share us a little bit more about this whole learning and teaching dynamic. Stay tuned. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi everyone, welcome to today's interview. Today we have Homa joining us all the way from Iran. Hi Homa, how are you today? Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Great. I would also like to welcome you Homa to our uh, program. Thank you for joining us. So I want to start by asking you to share a little bit um, about your journey and um, you know, um, your journey as a, as a teacher. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, it starts kind of boring. I just, uh, out of high school, I needed to make some money and English was the only skill I had that people were willing to pay money to me to teach them. So I started just teaching to make some extra money to spend. Um, Yeah, I started with a couple of my own uh, classmates that I started teaching to. I didn't get any training for teaching. Um, I didn't even read about it anywhere. I just jumped right in. And as you can imagine, it wasn't that great. Because <laughs> <laughs> you need to be prepared. Um, but yeah, I just jumped right in. And uh, I've, I I taught for 10 years until the pandemic. Wow. I, I, it's, it's a funny story. And I know you're laughing, thinking like, how did I even get into it? That's kind of what a lot of us ask ourselves. So <laughs> It's a pretty familiar experience for most of us, Homa. So obviously today's topic is all about learning and teaching. Teaching is learning. So when you were a student, did you have a specific learning style? Were you a certain type of learner in the classroom? Uh, Well, when I was um, all throughout the time that I was a student, and this is not probably going to apply to a lot of people, but for me, I had severe social anxiety. Um, And not my family nor my teachers knew about this. So I was basically either asleep in the classroom because I was just so anxious and everybody thought my eyes were bad. Like, no, I just I just fell asleep. As soon as the class started, I would fall asleep. 
um, or I would dissociate. So uh, that that is when your mind kind of detaches from the really the reality you're in. So I I don't have very concrete memories of my time as a student, but at the same time, because of this, because I was so socially anxious, I developed my own sort of system to remember the lessons, um, kind of like a metacognition kind of thing. Right. Um, I, I, I developed my own way of learning. So I would remember the things that were happening in the classroom uh, to be able to pass exams and get my high school diploma wow. at the end. So did, yeah. this, did this translate into your teaching practice? Do you use similar skills and methods now when you're teaching and teaching English? Yes, definitely. Definitely. I, I always try to consider um, what, the, what the process of learning is for my students. So if, um, if I want to approach a certain student in class, I would always consider what makes them learn the lessons or remember the lessons better because it's different for everyone. And it made me very sensitive to this. Uh, my own experience as a student made me very sensitive to um, the power of the, the, the student's mind and how that plays a role in the classroom. Right. And um, I want to ask you about like um, your learnings um, for English teaching. What learnings did you do uh, to help you with English and English teaching? Well, uh, like I said, I jumped into teaching and I, I hadn't received any English teaching prior. So kind of my English was learned through movies and music and stuff. So I didn't even know basic grammar. So I, I learned basic grammar for the first couple of years of teaching alongside my students. So I would just study the grammar and the lessons I was about to teach before going into the classroom and I would learn it besides my teachers. But after those couple of years, um, I started reading up on it. I became very much more serious about it. I started to appreciate how serious the job really was um, and I didn't want to wing it anymore. So I started reading up on teaching methods. I consulted some of my friends who were teaching and I watched videos and just tried my best to learn a bit more. Great. So yeah, I can totally relate to that. And a lot of us sometimes, you know, we have the best intentions as teachers and we don't always be as prepared as we need to be. And this kind of ties into what we've been talking about today that, even whilst you're teaching, you're still learning and you're trying things out, you're modifying things, adapting things on the fly and finding out what works and what doesn't work. So the question I have for you next, Homer, is why do you think English teachers also need to be learners? Why do we need to have that approach and that mindset when we're teaching? Well, I think the main thing is people change, the world changes. And, and uh, if you want to be an effective teacher and get the message across to your students you have to adapt to the process that is life <laughs> in general um, and also it's it's very much more respectful to understand that people are different and you need to learn alongside them 
in order for them to be able to receive the teachings from you. I couldn't agree more with that. I totally agree. Yeah, you know, your students determine and influence a lot of things. And early on, I know I was guilty of this teaching that I thought, well, I prepared my lesson how I think it should be taught and that's going to work. But actually, without taking into consideration your learners and what works for them, it's really not going to work 100% of the time. So it's a, a constant process of adapting and modifying. So do you think teachers should follow this mantra of being lifelong learners? Do you think that that's a good approach or a good strategy to have in mind when, when you're teaching, especially teaching English? Well, I think everybody should follow that mantra. But yeah, yeah, of course. Um, as teachers, we have great responsibilities. Um, if we make mistakes, the mistakes that our students are going to make in the future are on us. So we have to be prepared for the new generation, the new type of student that could walk into our class one day and we have no idea, we haven't worked with anyone like that before. We have to be flexible of that. And for, to be in order to be flexible like that, you have to be open to gaining new information. Yeah, great advice, Homa. Thank you so much. Awesome, exactly. And I want to ask you, you know, uh, well, we know that um, learning is happening. Only We know that um, teaching actually is happening when learning is happening and when we see that our learners are learning what is being taught. So um, how do you promote learning within the classroom when teaching? Um, you mean how, what techniques I use? Yeah, techniques, strategies. Personally, through experience, I've come to the understanding that when, um, when the student is engaged in the classroom, that's when the highest levels of learning is happening. So I try to implement anything that could make the practice more personal for the student. So anywhere from making the projects more personal, or maybe changing up the, the assignments in class. Like sometimes uh, some of the assignments or writings and readings in the books are very generic and it gets really boring. And uh, I try to implement what I know of my students into those. So I would change the names, locations, or maybe just the narrative, the, the basic narrative of it to fit into the category, but also bring in my students into that lesson so they would be engaged and be able to really benefit uh, from the classroom. Exactly. Customizing your lessons and uh, making them fit um, your class profile, that's exactly uh, makes 100% sense. So, um, what about let's uh, take a look at your side, uh, you know, as a learner in the classroom. What interesting things have you learned from your learners, from your students? Uh, aside from a couple recipes and <laughs> some camping spots I could hit. <laughs> um, I've learned a lot, actually, from my students. Uh, it's been a process for me. Like, like I said, I was just... Um, up until I was 22, I think, and I started therapy. So because of that anxiety and because I wasn't present in my own classrooms, I didn't really know what effective communication was. Um, 
both as a person and as a as a student and teacher. So I had to learn this with my students. I had to learn how to effectively talk to people <laughs> because that's how you you get through to them. Uh, it's not uh, you can't just stand there and give a lecture and then expect them to excel at their I don't know. Test. Many teachers do this though, Homer, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. I know. I I I've seen that and it's painful to watch, but <laughs> it just doesn't work. And I used to do that when I was when I first started uh, as a teacher. I because I wasn't experienced enough, I guess, to know that uh, to feel to feel and see it in my students' eyes that they're not learning right now. You know, as teachers, you know this feeling when a student tells you, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but you look <laughs> into their eyes and you know that they have no idea what you're talking about. And it took the, some time. I call that the bubble head syndrome where they just kind of bob their heads like this. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But inside yeah. their mind, it's no, no, no. There's nothing. There's nothing behind those eyes. It's creepy. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it took some time for me to get that, to really understand where the student was coming from, frankly, because when you lecture someone, if someone stands here and lectures me right now, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to take that in and allow it into my soul and my mind. It doesn't work like that. It, it's give and take. It has to be a flowing interaction. Absolutely. This, this is a really nice lead into the next question that I want to ask you, which is, do you think that the dynamic in the ESL classroom should be an equal amount of learning and teaching? I know for me, I try to kind of speak for no more than eight or 10 minutes at a time before I give it back to the students. What's your approach? Do you agree that it should be 50-50 or as equal as possible? Well, it really depends. You know, some classes, some students, they're looking for a speed run. They have an exam in 10 days or a month and they want to be bombarded with this information that they're going to use for one day and then it's going to be right out of their minds after the exam and i try to tell my students this when they ask for this kind of class i tell them that okay i'm going to bombard you with information you may pass the exam but it's not going to stick like you have to follow up with sessions afterwards because it's going to just disappear and evaporate information doesn't stick like that. So I think an effective and uh, long-term goal would be that it's 50-50 because the student is engaged and the lessons stick kind of. But sometimes you, you just need to take the wheels, you know, depending on the type of classroom you're, you're managing. Exactly. Um, aside from this, uh, like you said, first of all, as teachers, we have to be able to understand this, that uh, we are not lecturers and we are not there. We are not, you know, people who are going to just stand there and just tell people things, hoping for them to learn. And also um, this thing that you shared is actually a very important lesson. But I want to know, like, um, do you have any suggestions, any effective strategies that you think teachers can use um, to support students learning more, to be, you know, uh, to consciously support them a little bit more and be there for them 100% of the way? 
Yeah. Um, I think any, any strategy that would involve the student in the teaching and learning process would be a winner. I think any strategy that would involve them. Sometimes uh, you would have to give like physical exercises in a class. And I know it doesn't, on paper, it doesn't make sense, but sometimes the classroom needs that physical movement in order for the student to be present in the classroom and be taking the lessons in. Or sometimes you would need to have visual representations. Sometimes you would need to show slides. You have to be flexible and adaptive and know what your classroom needs. But yeah, you should 100% aim to involve your students in the experience. Exactly. And like observing and learning about your learners learning style, like as you said, some of them are visual learners, some of them are like kinesthetic learners. Definitely 100% true. And um, do you have any advice or any tips for teachers who, um, you know, who are starting to teach English or even the experienced teachers, any advice, any other tips that you might have for them? In general? In general. Okay. How much time do you have? Mm. Maybe just two minutes, three minutes, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think I thought about this question actually a lot. Um, I think the the one advice I would give to any teacher, whether they're starting or they're way along the way, is to periodically ignite the flame of understanding of the responsibility and the gravity of uh, of the situation you've gotten yourself into. Uh, we are, as ESL teachers, we are opening the gates to a whole new world for our students. It's not just a an alphabet or a few vocabulary. It's not just a language. It's the gates to a world. It's the most speaking language. It's the most spoken language in the world. So um, the most popular at least. Uh, So it's a gate to a whole universe of cultures and friendships and job opportunities that you're opening for your student. It's important. It's a huge responsibility. And I think if, if teachers are conscious of this, they're not going to make mistakes and then lie about it. If teachers are conscious of this, they're going to want to do their best to allow their students this passage into this whole beautiful world of opportunity. Absolutely. That's I, my advice to teachers. I, I love that approach, Homer. And I think a lot of us definitely have that intention starting out, but as time goes on, maybe that, you know, initial intention disappears or dissipates a little, but absolutely, you've got to love what you do and you've got to enjoy what you do. And I think the most valuable lesson we can take from today is that if you don't practice what you preach, if you don't do what you're telling your students to do, then there's a disconnect and you can't truly be fulfilled um, as a teacher. And you can't obviously learn either whilst teaching if you can't follow that advice. So Thank you for sharing your insights. Um, you know, definitely agree with a lot of what you said. I'm sure, Golnaz, you agree as well, right? 100%. Wonderful. 
Well, let's wrap things up for today. Homa, thank you so much for taking the time to share your insights and your experiences. Um, really valuable, really refreshing to hear a, a different kind of uh, mindset on teaching and kind of a, you know, a unique uh, way of looking at things as well. So we really enjoyed having you with us today. Thank you so much, Homa. Thank you for having me. I enjoy your podcast a lot. Thanks for having me. Thank it's you so great much. To hear. Thank you so much, Homa. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed learning a little bit more about the journey of teaching and learning and learning is teaching. And thanks again to Homa for sharing her experiences and her insights into this wonderful and fascinating topic. Yeah, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram, ESL Talk Podcast, and like us on Facebook. And also, if you want to be our guest in future episodes, please email us at esltalkpodcast at gmail.com, and we would love to get connected with you. Absolutely. We've already got a growing list of people who'd like to join us, so... Uh, please do keep sending in those requests and we'll try to accommodate and we'll try to get as many of you involved so that we can all help and give back to the ESL teaching community. That's it for this week, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much. Stay safe. Be well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes and to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for even more ESL teaching content. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for even more ESL teaching content.